Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Stand with me if you would, please. Welcome all of you watching online. Hold your Bibles up high. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I have a couple of things that I want to do before I actually get into the, my sermon. One is, every week, and I want to take enough time to really hope, hopefully help this soak in or sink in, but every Sunday morning, we have children's ministry going on while we're in here. Some of you are aware of that because you have children. Others of you may not be aware of that because your children are grown and we don't think about it. But I have a specific request this morning that, that's really very, very important. One is that I need, we, we need teachers. And, and when I say teachers, you don't have to prepare the curriculum. It's all prepared. It's all laid out. Everything's done. Um, and, and here's what we need. And I want to ask some of you to at least consider this. And when you exit today, if my sermon doesn't hit home, then I'll preach it again next week. But um, we need for you to... to to be willing to step up and be involved, not every week, but throughout a quarter and just get involved. We need a, uh, at 9.30, which is this service, we need twos and threes. We need a teacher for twos and threes. And at 11 o'clock, we need teachers for the four and five-year-olds. Not a major, major deal, but we need more than that. But those are what we need right now. And uh, the idea of doing two church services, some of you may be aware of, is that you worship one, you work one. The idea is to have those to where you come. You say, I want to worship, and then I'm going to participate in serving. Uh, so if you could be so kind as to say, I want to help, uh, you can go to the welcome kiosk and just say, look, I pastor made an appeal. I wish he hadn't have, but here I am. And, uh, but uh, you'll have a good time with these kids. Actually, they'll touch your heart and your life, and you'll never want to leave. Well, you'll want to give them back to their parents, but you'll never want to leave. Anyway, it's going to be good. Also... Coming up is our fall festival, and uh, yeah, this is a big event, and I want to take some time this morning. Our, our door hangers are in, and so uh, these are going to be passed out or distributed throughout neighborhoods uh, by some outreach uh, people. Some of our young people are going to do that, but we thought you might want some of these. Take your office, uh, take to your neighborhood, whatever the case may be, where you would pass these out, Okay. So here's what I'd like to do this morning, okay? It's a little different. Uh, if you would want one of these, five of these, ten, whatever you might want, I'd like to ask everyone to stand, if you would, please, everybody. And what I'd like to do is if, if I could hand some of these out to you instead of wait, making you go get them, uh, if, if you would like to help us, I would like to ask you to step out and just come right now, okay? Yeah, okay, so line up across here. I'm going to distribute equally, and then I'm going to pray over all of you. This is awesome, Okay? This is a big, big deal. This outreach right here is huge. And so what I'd like to do, I'll start at each end. If you start here, just take what you need and pass them down. Once you do that, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray over y'all, pray over these. 
And uh, just take whatever you need and pass those down. There's some people behind you. We may need more of these. Um, it's very easy from my perspective, for me, maybe not you, but to get caught up in the Sunday mornings of, okay, I've got to be prepared. I've got to preach. We've got to have worship. Lights have to be right. So many things have to go right in here uh, that I'm thinking about that I forget sometimes we need to make things right out there. <laughs> and we may need more of these. If, if it's only one door hanger, you in the lobby. But we're asking you to please just, if it's only one door hanger, you may change one person's life. We're not asking you to hit your whole neighborhood. We're just simply asking you to take what you need to reach the people you want to reach, okay? And, and just to invite them. It's a very, very special event. And, and I believe it's going to change the entire complexion of Mosaic Church. I really do. Because Incredible Pizza's getting involved. And thank God for Rick and Cheryl Barsness and Incredible Pizza. And all they do for us and all they do for the community. It's a, it's a great, great place. So we're joining hands with another Christian uh, organization. And, and we're going to truly try to reach the city here, okay? So let me pray over you. And if you need some of the, the door hangers, uh, there will be, uh, they will be available at the, uh, in the lobby there. So let's pray. Father, you th we thank you for uh, not just what we hold in our hands in way of door hangers, but what we hold in our heart. We hold our relationship with you very dear. Uh, Lord, we, we can't live, we can't breathe, we can't even move without you. And so, Lord, we realize that, but we now are holding in our hands, uh, in some cases, tickets to eternity. Uh, these door hangers will literally be the ticket to eternity for some people who get them. That they don't know you. They don't know that you love them. And Lord, when we hang these door hangers on doors or we give them out at the office or to neighbors or friends, this may be their ticket, God. So we ask you, Lord, to give us clarity of direction, anointing as we distribute these door hangers. Uh, Lord, that we would put them in the hands of people who are void in their hearts of a relationship with you. And those who are looking for a church, God, that that really are looking for a place to worship and, and have family and friends. And so, Lord, I pray over everyone who is taking these door hangers that you would give them wisdom, guidance, direction as to where to distribute them. I pray for the anointing on their lives as they do sin. God bless you all. Thank you so much. Uh, I was like, wow, I've, I've got to be honest with you. My faith was not as large as the people up here. I was like, wow, okay. Didn't realize that many would, would respond, but thank you so much. And uh, if you need more, we have more available, but this is time sensitive. It's two weeks from this evening, six to eight o'clock. So it is time sensitive and we need to get those out. Uh, we're continuing uh, a series addressing fear. There's not one person in here that doesn't have a... Uh, something that that you actually have a tendency to be afraid of. I don't want to be negative, but we all have these, these things in our lives that uh, maybe cause a little fear and apprehension. And sometimes those things are visible. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes we think about them. Sometimes we don't. Oftentimes we make decisions based on the fear that we possess, not the faith we possess. And so the idea of this series is for us to first identify realistically, without shame, what we are afraid of. 
and then be able to confront that. If you don't know what you're afraid of, if, if you just have fear in general, trust me, it's not fear in general. There is something that, that is behind that specifically that messes with your life. Uh, I'm going to address the top 12 fears that most people in the world possess. Number one fear is speaking before a group. I do this every week and have done it for almost 41 years. And it's not like a fear, but, but once you get beyond facing the group like I have to face you and those watching is then the next thing is, I, I don't know if Jesse's ever had this, but there are nightmares where you, you, you see yourself on stage and you have nothing to say. It is a frightening thought. But you stand up and you go, I will say something. And I'm not going to let fear keep me down. Second is heights, the fear of heights, which also includes the fear of flying, obviously. A lot of people are afraid of heights. And I would say probably many, if not most in here, would fall into that category. Insects and bugs. Financial problems, number four. They fear the ability to live, survive, make it in this world. Number five, deep water. In other words, you can imagine yourself out in the middle of the ocean somewhere and uh, there you're stuck. Number six, disease. 20% of people are afraid of disease. Death, number seven, surprisingly, it's that low. Uh, and then number eight, which kind of falls in line with number two, which is flying, <laughs> both heights. Uh, number nine is loneliness. Number 10, dogs. Number 11, uh, driving or riding in a car, believe it or not. And then number 12 rounds it out, fear of the dark. And, you know, the funny thing about that, not the funny thing, but the strange thing is those who are cast out don't make heaven be cast out into to darkness. There's, there's this, there are so many things connected to the, the fears in our lives. And some of those are connected to how we were raised. Some of those are connected to what we were taught, the culture in which we grew up. There are a lot of people that have a lot of fear. And uh, at the end of this series, my prayer would be that you'd be able to address those fears and go, they're not going to control me anymore. You're going to always have to fight them, but they don't need to control us, all right? Turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I'll begin in verse 1 as Paul addresses uh, Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This is a powerful verse because Paul first engages Timothy and says, Now, I want you to stir up the gift that's in you. I want you to stir up the God in you. I want you to activate the faith that's 
in you that was in your, your mother, your grandmother, your family. I want you to do something with what's in you. A lot of times, the very fact that we do nothing is an indication that there's fear in our lives. That, that it's safe to do nothing. It's safe. Nobody will criticize me. Nobody will judge me. Uh, I, I won't reveal any of my flaws or deficiencies, my lack of intelligence, my lack of skill, whatever it might be. A lot of times we don't do things, not because we don't have time, but because we're afraid that if we do, that we will be seen for somebody that, that, we're, that somebody would see us the way we see ourselves. And, and that fear keeps us from the will of God, keeps us from the destiny that God has for us. So he says, stir up the gift that God uh, put in you by the laying on of hands. Now, in the old days, there was a transference. That the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. There's that transference, if you will. That's why I prayed for you. I want us to pray for one another. I want us to uh, help each other, encourage each other in the faith. So the very first thing is, we have to address the fear of what we can see. The fear of what we can see. Uh, a lot of times, people watch things on television uh, they see things in life, and as a result of those things that they see, fear comes on them. A lot of people have a fear of flying, not because they've ever flown or not even because they've ever even had a difficult flight, and over, because they've seen and over again. 9-11 was one of those times where they just kept showing airplanes flying into buildings and over and over and over again. And that image gets in you. And when that image gets in you, it's what you see every time you see an aircraft. Your chances of dying on an airplane are very, very small. There were 100 plane crashes in 2010, but there were 80,000 successful takeoffs and landings every day. So if you look at just 100 out of 80,000, you go, but, but that's 100. What if I'm on one of those? Then if you're a Christian, you're in heaven today. I mean, it, it sounds, I mean, I, I'm not trying to, to minimize the, the loss or the impact that, that families experience. But let me say this to you. If fear can keep you from living life and doing the will of God, then, then the devil has won. He really has. Not just, you know, death is not the end. Matter of fact, it's the beginning of eternity and the beginning of eternal life. But because we've seen things, uh, we give in to that fear. And it paralyzes us from making decisions that God wants us to make. When Paul's speaking to Timothy here, Paul's addressing something in Timothy that's not very specific, but he's reminding Timothy, don't be afraid. God's not given you a spirit of fear. Now, that's a great verse, but oftentimes we don't think, I wonder what Paul was really addressing uh, in Timothy's heart and Timothy's life. Was Timothy backing off of things? Was Timothy not doing things? Paul's saying, I'm persuaded. I haven't seen it in you yet, but I am persuaded that there's something in you that God wants to do. And we have to be persuaded in order for us to move forward. Let's look at the story for a moment of Peter and, and the boat and the storms are blowing. In Matthew chapter 14, it says, When the disciples saw Jesus walking on the lake, they were terrified. 
It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat. They are not afraid of flying. They're afraid of crashing. So we just have to put this in perspective. Flying's great. It's the crashing I don't look forward to. In Peter's case, Peter didn't wish he could walk on water. He did walk on water. He had the faith to get out of the boat. Peter's criticized for sinking, but there were 11 cowards watching him. We criticize Peter. Well, you know, he got his eyes off Jesus. We go through all the things, and that may be true, but listen to what this says. Come, he said, then Peter got down on the boat, walked on the water. But when he saw the wind, you cannot see the wind, folks. We live in Oklahoma, and if anybody could see the wind, we could. This is where it comes sweeping down the plains. What happens is Peter saw the waves created by the winds. And so what happens in our lives, sometimes we, we see something, but there's something behind the something we see. But what we see is typically what brings fear into our lives. You see something that you've never seen before. You see it. Peter's looking around going, oh, I was fine until I looked around. And the old saying is, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. There will always be possibility for there to be something to go wrong. That's always a given. Driving is more dangerous than flying, depending on the state you're in. And we would be one such state. It's amazing. Think about this. You're going 60, 70 miles an hour maybe in places you shouldn't be, but you're passing a car that's probably less than four feet from you going the same speed. But most people aren't afraid because if you crash, you're at least, we have to on the app. Be careful what we look at. And in today's world, with social media and all those things, let me just tell you, be careful what you gaze upon. Because what you watch over and over and over again, will be influential in your life and decisions. I don't watch airplane crashes because I'm on too many airplanes. I just figured there's no need to feed that. You know what I'm saying? And so I've been in situations before where that, was, that seemed to be a possibility that life was about to be over. And then I thought, well, who cares? I mean, the devil does not know what to do with people of faith. Doesn't know how to respond. What can he do to threaten you if you're not afraid of anything? There's not one thing that he has that can control your life except fear. And as Job says, what he feared came upon him. It's powerful that you and I, literally without realizing it, Make decisions that are not God-driven or spirit-driven, but they're driven by what we've seen. We've seen things, and we've meditated on those things, and they've become a reality to us. Secondly, it's the fear of what you can't see. Now, this one's kind of big because 
Sometimes you can't see how you're going to get out of debt. You can't see how you're going to get a job. You can't see. You can't see. And because you can't see it, you don't believe it. But we know blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Sometimes what you believe, believe it or not, can change circumstances and situations that you have yet to see. And that we have to be aware of the supernatural and that which is hidden, that which we cannot see. Because our battle is not flesh and blood. It's principalities and powers and spirits of wickedness in heavenly realms. That's the real battle. That come to convince us that things are not going to be all right. They're just never going to be all right. And so we have to guard our hearts and our minds and, and because out of those flow the issues of life, we have to put a guard on those things. And sometimes I just, I just can't see it happening. I can't see it. You remember the story of Elijah. I shared this a little bit on Wednesday night. But Elijah's in a cave, hidden, running from Jezebel, knowing that she wants to kill him. And he had prophesied after this long drought that there would be rain. But there was no evidence of rain. The clouds were gone. The skies were clear. And he sent his servant out seven times. Now, imagine the servant six times is going out. They don't, he doesn't see anything. He comes back and he tells Elijah, there is nothing out there. There is no sign of rain. In other words, he couldn't see anything. And when he couldn't see, imagine Elijah's going, but God, you told me that it was going to rain, and I told Ahab it was going to rain, and he needed to get on his horse and get back home. It's going to rain. And the servant, he says, go out a seventh time. And the, ser the servant goes out a seventh time. And he comes back and tells Elijah, he said, I see a cloud the size of a hand. That was all Elijah needed. He said, you know what? I haven't been able to see anything, but I kept believing. You might not see a change in your kid. You might not see a change in your money right now. But you keep going and looking again and looking again and looking again. Because God is waiting on faith to push out fear. Also talked about Elisha, which was kind of the opposite of Elijah a little bit in 2 Kings 6. It says, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? How many of us asked that question before? Oh, my God. I did not know that bill was coming. Where did that come from? Had no I'm using that in the right sense. I'm crying out, my God. This is not slang. I'm saying, what do I do now? So the servant to Elisha, and Elisha has faith. This is a training ground. Sometimes the things that we don't see that God finally reveals to us, puts in front of us, it's not to scare us to death. It's to test our faith and say, will you step world? Believe that greater am I in you, in your camp, in your home, in your job, than that which is in the world. Man, I don't see anything happening. I don't see anything happening. I don't see anything happening. You keep on going. I don't see anything happening. And what happens is what you don't see eventually is what you will start talking about. Well, I just don't see any change happening. I don't see any promotion. I don't see any help. I don't see any hope. And you start talking about what you don't see. And you need somebody in your life to start changing the way you talk so that you can see what you want to see. 
You have to speak to your mountain. Jesus didn't say walk up to your mountain and watch it move. Walk up to your mountain and talk about the mountain. Look at that mountain. If that mountain wasn't here, we would be in this wonderful place. Oh, woe is us. But God, let a mountain be there. It must not be the will of God. No, some of y'all have pushed off the obstacles and, and said, well, you know, God put them there. No, he didn't. The devil put them there. You need to speak to your obstacle. Quit talking about the obstacle. Quit talking about the mountain and start speaking to the mountain. Say, well, you're just not realistic. I don't ever want to be seen as realistic. I would rather somebody say, he's really kind of hyper-spiritual. You're going to be called something you get to pick. If you speak to your mountain and tell it to move from here to there, the Bible says it will move. All you have to do is have the faith as a grain of mustard seed and then open your mouth. Good things are going to happen. I told Susan, pull him, I said, I just feel like God's getting ready to do some really awesome things. He said, well, what do you base that on? Absolutely nothing except the promises of God. That's it. I have no reason. It wasn't like, well, the sun's out today. It's going to be a good day. No, I've had sunny days that sucked. And rainy days that were great. It's not what I see here. It's what I don't see that I have to address and go, you know what? I'm speaking what I want. I'm not speaking what I'm facing. 38.6% of you got that. It's better than nothing. And so it says this. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Listen, don't be afraid. It's his first response. And the servant's looking at Elisha going, he's done when and lost his mind. Because I can see with my little eyes, I spy. We got enemies wanting to take us out. And Elisha prayed, oh Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Can you imagine how condescending if he said that in front of this servant? That might have felt for that servant going, God, open his eyes. He's an idiot. I mean, he didn't say that, but that's what you'd feel like. That he might see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, uh, strike the people with blindness. And God did. Folks, let me just tell you. And, and we read the Bible and we go, that's just old days. It's the same God. Now, I know some of y'all want to strike your neighbors with blindness. I get it. But the reality is, they got their sight back. Elisha released them. It was a beautiful part of the story. But the most beautiful part was that he taught his servant to have faith, not fear, because of what he couldn't see. You think you see it all. And I've heard people say, I've seen it all. No, you haven't. And a lot of our fear comes based on what we haven't seen or what we're not seeing. I don't see any change. I don't see any change. I don't, I'm going to be healed every time in my life except one. Just ponder that a minute. So every time you get sick, just declare, I'm healed. And if you're not and you die, who's going to argue with you? You're dead. You have absolutely nothing to lose by exercising verbal faith. I just always believe it's better to speak what could be, what you desire to be, what you hope to be, 
rather than talking about all the things you're not. It's not called denial, folks. It's called faith. If somebody's dumb and you're telling them they're dumb, they're never going to change. There's at least a little bit of hope if you start saying, you're so brilliant. Otherwise, you're addressing the obvious. Can be. Not what is. It's exactly when God looked at the earth without form or void, he said, let there be light. He didn't say, wow, Jesus, look how dark it is. Yes, Jesus was with him when the earth was created, just FYI. And you can see God looking and saying, wow, it sure is dark down there. What are we going to do? Wow, we should probably find another galaxy where there's light. God said, let there be light. He wasn't moved by what he didn't see. He was moved by faith and declaring, I will create. You're created in the image and likeness of God. We were not giving, given mouths to speak poorly. We were given mouths and voices to speak full of faith. So whatever you don't like in your life, whatever you're not seeing, quit talking about it and start talking to it. That's how come when I get up, I speak. I've done it for years. God, I speak to the north, the south, the east, and the west. And God, I'm calling in everybody that you've called to be at Mosaic Church, Oklahoma City. And God, they can resist as much as they want to resist, but I am declaring the walls and the blinders are coming off and they're going to come to the place they're supposed to be and they're going to experience you in this house. You don't attract who you want. You attract who you are. If you are a person of faith, you will hang around people who are fearful. I have always declared what I wanted to see, not what I have seen or haven't seen. In my eyes, the eyes of my heart, the Spirit has pointed me in those directions. So I stay that way. Fear always springs from ignorance. It always springs from ignorance. In other words, we don't understand. Don't develop fears in your mind. Fears begin with the negatives. That's how fear begins. It's never going to get better. Uh, it's never going to go well. We start saying things, and we start creating those things with our mouth. Most fears we face every day. 60% of our fears are totally unwarranted. They never come to pass. 60% of the things you fear will never come to pass. And yet, we use our energy. People get stressed out. They don't sleep. They wake up at night. They're drained. 60% of the things you go to bed at night fearing will never come to pass. You need to write these down and put them on your refrigerator. 20% of our fears are focused on our past, which is completely out of our control. So now we're at 80% of fears that there's not one thing that you need to fear. 10% of our fears are based on things so petty that they make no difference in our lives. Of the remaining 10%, only 4 to 5% could be considered justifiable. So today, I have good news for you. 96% of the things you fear are not justifiable. You won't lose unless you choose to lose. It's that simple. Because God said he'd never leave you nor forsake you. So whatever you've been fearing, stop. The last thing is not the fear of what you can't see, what you can't see but the fear of what you hear. 
the fear of what you hear. You've talked to people. Have you ever been around people who say, well, it's going to get worse before it gets better? I'm walking in better. So, well, you, you've had some dark times, sure. But you see through those. You see through those. You've got to be careful to not listen to people who tell you it can't be done. It's never been done. You surely won't do it. It'll never happen for you. never happens for people like us. I'm telling you, they're such an evil person. They'll never get saved. They'll never get right. You've got to look and say, they're creating the image and likeness of God. They have a destiny. They're, they're fearfully and wonderfully made. God made them. Now, they may not be living up to what you think they ought to be or even what they want to be, but the reality is they never will if they keep hearing how bad they are. And when you speak well of people, people that don't hear a message like this, they look at you like you're crazy. But I promise you, when you start speaking, and it may take years, but when you start declaring what could be, what might be, what should be, it will start changing the way people think, even about themselves. Don't speak to the way people are. Speak to who they can become. If your spouse is not living up to the standards you'd like, start declaring the standard in a positive way. Thank you so much for everything you're doing, and they're doing nothing. I just so appreciate you. I'm just telling you, it will start getting in them, and they will start doing stuff. If you hammer them, it'll be like a nail going into wood. It's just going to go deeper with every hit. But when you start speaking encouragement to them, and what they can be and what they could do, it will change everything. So be careful what you hear. And I'll close with this thought. The story of Caleb, I used it a week ago, going into the promised land. Ten spies came back, negative words, telling the camp, we can't do this. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. We'll surely die. Listen, the key here is it says Caleb silenced the crowd. That was the turning point, was shutting the negative up so that fear would not penetrate the hearts of Israel and they would stay out. Sometimes you say, I don't know where the money's going to come from, but it's going to come from somewhere. I just know God's going to provide because he said he'll meet every need I have according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If you don't have something right now, it means you don't need that which you don't have. If you don't have it right now, you don't need it right now. What you need right now is faith to get what you need, and God will bring it. Don't give up on it. Don't quit. Don't start talking about what you don't have. Start looking around every corner and look again and again and again. Like Elijah, go out there seven times. I'm going back. There are days I'd go to the mailbox three times, knowing it was only going to run once. I just thought somebody might drive by. Somebody might do a drive-by blessing. <laughs> you never know. If you keep the faith, you keep the smile, you keep... Because without faith, we can't even please God. So start believing God. Start, start declaring. Quit listening to the negative and start declaring the positive. And you know, sometimes you can just listen to people and say, You know, I really appreciate your input, but here's what I'm believing for. Can you go there with me? Here's what I'm believing for. 
I'm believing that God is going to bless us in the city, the country coming in and going out. Everything my hands touch is going to prosper. Everywhere the soles of my feet tread, I'm going to possess. God, I thank you. I don't see it right now with these eyes, but I'm not hearing what they have to say that will never happen for you because you grew up here and there, and this is your culture, and this is your family, and this is your background, and you're not smart, and you're not... I don't have to be smart. All I have to be is convinced that everything the Bible says is true. That's all I have to be. And it, that the Bible doesn't change. It wasn't written for a season. It wasn't written for a group of people. It was written for all people. And it works for you. So start speaking what the Bible says. All the promises of God are yes and amen. And that every need I have is met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, not barely getting by. That if I ask, I'll receive. If I knock, the door will be open. All of these things are available to us, and yet we fear declaring them because we fear what people will say about us. Quit living your life based on what somebody's going to say about you. People are always going to talk about you because they're bored. When people talk, I heard somebody talking about you. I didn't know I was that popular. They really are bored people to talk about me. When you talk about somebody, think about how bored, bored you have to be. Don't you have better things to do than talk about somebody? you got mountains you need to speak to. Quit talking about people and start speaking to your mountains. Speak with me. Declare this place is full. God's bringing lost people in. God's bringing people in who need a family. The devil hates it when you, you have a church that's speaking well and blessing people. We're going to speak well. Love, grace, and mercy. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace, your mercy. God, we thank you that greater are you in us than everything going on in the world, that nothing is impossible with you. And God, we're putting our faith in you. We're not going to let fear steer and guide our lives. But Lord, we're, instead, we are going to be a people of faith. With every head bowed and every eye closed, um, I want to pray a prayer. For all of you that want to rededicate your lives or those of you that want to give your life to Jesus for the very first time. There's nothing more important in this world right now in this very moment than recognizing that we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And that if we will call on his name, we'll be saved. I want to pray this prayer. I want to ask you all in here and at home to repeat this after me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin and I call on your name and I declare I am saved. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.